Hello, I'm Ian McDonald. I make the Vegan Option podcast. Really interesting radio that just happens to be vegan. 20 to 30 minutes a show. But anyway, please t- check it out at theveganoption.org. But not before you have enjoyed the zany, wry, unpredictable humour of Jordan Wyatt in coexisting with non-human animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Episode 91 of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. Go Vegans Love Marmite. It's been a busy couple of months these last, well, couple of months. <laughs> Moving into the new Invercargill Vegan Society headquarters with the Hen Friends and Jen. And so, many apologies for being late to put a new episode out. But, as soon as I get this one in the can, then I've got a second as well. So, this episode is going to be tightly featured on the glorious return of New Zealand product Marmite, which is a black yeast-based spread that you put on toast for breakfast. It's a black, thick tar kind of a thing, you know, like jam, except it's salty, black, kind of like tar, and if you're not born in New Zealand, you'll probably absolutely hate it. But if you are born in New Zealand, it's the vegan's best friend when it comes to B12 and glorious salty black tar-like flavour on our toast in the mornings. And so this is what this episode's about. Marmite and vegans, including vegans who want Marmite to be labelled as vegan, it's currently labelled 100% vegetarian, and vegans who are promoting veganism to other vegans and saying vegans should go vegan by being more vegan, so they should go, yay, I think encouraging vegans, and Marmite and marketing. So, enjoy! Before I begin, I'd like to mention that the New Zealand Vegan Society's magazine called Vegan mentioned coexisting with non-human animals. It's in an interview with the vegan chef Ben James, who's a really great guy, and he decided to try being vegan after he had a couple of vegan customers in his restaurant, and he's in Blenheim which is far away from Invercargill, but still a cool place. (laughs) And he decided to try out veganism himself, and apparently he's decided to stay vegan, so that's really awesome. Thank you, Ben. And in the Vegan magazine, it mentioned that he'd been interviewed by Radio New Zealand and coexisting with non-human animals. So that's always cool to get a little plug for coexisting with non-human animals in print. And you can find my interview with Ben James, the great vegan chef, at coexisting co.nz.co.nz and that's episode 86, 86. And speaking of interviews, here's a great new organisation called Go Vegan, who hope to improve vegan uh, activism, advocacy, advocatism in New Zealand. And as I spoke with Michael and Jesse, They were using Skype, and their version of Skype, it might be a Windows Skype thing, or maybe it's a new update that's going to come out for Skype for Mac as well. It was playing weird ads to them, so we're talking, trying to have an interview about veganism here, and meanwhile they're getting ads on their computer for banks and all kinds of things, and medication, and all sorts of things. So, if you use Skype like I do, keep an eye out for the wonderful ads that'll be coming courtesy of Skype soon. And then I'll do the countdown, because that's the classy way to do it. Three, two, oh, one. And joining me today, it's my North Island friends Jesse Hume and Michael Hitchcock, who have just launched a new animal rights website called Go Vegan. How are you both today? Great, thanks. Yeah, we're good. What can you tell us? Well, can you tell us a lot? Not, can you tell us a little? We'd love to know a lot about Go Vegan. What would you say about it? Yeah, um, well, Go Vegan is, like you said, a new organization um, launched a week ago tomorrow, and we pretty much are filling the gap in the animal rights vegan advocacy, or the New Zealand vegan advocacy scene. Um, We have a community-based structure, so we will be... 
focusing on community involvement from the vegan population of New Zealand. Um, and our single purpose is to grow the vegan population of New Zealand. Um, we have three main ways we're going to do this. We're going to, um, we will be carrying out advertising campaigns on buses, uh, billboards, all that sort of thing. We will be um, providing information for people who want to become vegan. We'll have a starter kit that you can download off our website. And once we've printed those, we'll also be able to send them out to people for free. Um, we're also going to put, uh, have a hub of information for vegans around the country so they can find places to eat, groups, all that sort of thing, as well as resources for them to download and print at home to carry out their own outreach in their own time as they want. Oh, awesome. Can I give a suggestion for the advertising? Have you ever thought about advertising on Skype? <laughs> no. No, we won't. <laughs> It sounds um, like a really effective medium. Just excuse, excuse any background noise. That's our little uh, vegan baby here making a lot of noise in the background. <laughs> so was he right, Jesse? Was that what Go Vegan's about? Um, yeah, to me, um, it's just one thing, and that is growing a vegan population. That's it. But he so, wants a lot of information. So, yeah, okay, well, you had your chance to ask me now. Okay, so for me, Go Vegan is about just growing the vegan population, that's it. And um, so I, I feel that we're going to do this by making life easy, easier for vegans um, through advocacy. So it'll be advocacy to support vegans, um, but it will also be advocacy to grow, like to introduce people to veganism. So we'll be educating the public, um, increasing public awareness, and we'll be doing that with advertising and outreach. And then the other part is supplying advocates with what they need. So that'll be training people in advocacy or um, providing them with the resources they need to get to get the word out there. Awesome. So what made you basically decide to form Go Vegan? Well, um, essentially we formed Go Vegan because we felt there was a gap in um, vegan advocacy in New Zealand. So there is a lot of sort of social support that's really been growing for people, but in terms of getting out there and actually pushing the vegan message um, and introducing the public to veganism, it seemed to be a little bit of a, a gap there. And in the United States, they have groups such as Mercy for Animals and other groups that do a lot of public advertising and stuff like that. And we just felt that New Zealand is ready for this and we want to make sure it happens. Awesome. And so, what would you both be most excited about in terms of future vegan activism? Most excited? Yeah, like, are you most excited about advertising on Skype or advertising on buses? <laughs> Probably um, advertising, um, general advertising, regardless of whether it's on Skype or buses, I think would be fabulous. Um, and especially advertising specific to New Zealand. Um, so, not using overseas advertising, overseas brokers and all that stuff. Um, I'm really excited about the timing of this. I feel like New Zealand is ready for this. Um, there's a lot of really positive um, vegan content out there, positive representation in the media, um, a lot of things going on and I reckon we can really start to move with that and increase awareness. And you know, um, you know, 10 years ago people didn't really know much about veganism at all, but um, now, you know, it's become quite a common thing. And also, I think with all the knowledge that we have about the environment and different um, different things that have been going on in the world, that um, veganism offers a really good solution to a lot of problems with the environment, which is, you know, so timing, yeah. Mm. I like the recipes you've got on the Go Vegan website, and I hear that one of you's been, well, one of you in particular, there's also the vegan pirate guy, uh, one of you in particular has been really active in making recipes which show the best part of veganism, the food, right? Mm. And so, out of all the recipes you've got on the Go Vegan website so far, which one do you like the most? Uh, my favourite would have to probably be the donut one, which <laughs> I found probably about a year ago. Um, and I think that is probably also one of the most popular ones on the website based on the stats. So it's not just me who loves it. <laughs> uh, mine is uh, got to be tofu bacon. <laughs> tofu bacon we eat like four or five times a week. Uh, we found a cheap source of tofu around the corner and normally being about $4.50 or $4.90 for a pack, we found it for $2.50 for 400 grams. So we've almost been living off tofu bacon. We put it on pizza, we put it in sandwiches, and um, cheese sauce has to be the other one too. We just use that for everything, cheesy sauce. We put that on pizza again. Pretty much all we do is eat pizza. 
yeah. <laughs> Can I just follow up on that? So you found it around the corner? Is there like a guy in a trench coat who, you know, a Chinese guy that makes tofu? And... <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about that, Jordan. Oh, it's like the first rule of it, of cheap tofu, right? <laughs> And I begged and pleaded, because I know you guys like the recipe gods of vegan food in New Zealand, so I asked you, out of the recipes you've quickly skimmed through on the Invercargill Vegan Society website, which one of our recipes do you think looks best that would be worthy of the title Tahini Sauce Recipe Post? We both agree. Yeah, we agree. Has to be. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, is this my turn? I forgot what it's yeah. called now. Um, pinwheel scones. Yeah. That's pinwheel probably scones. our yum, favorite. Yum, and yum. in fact, we should probably invite you right now to guest blog that on um, the site if you want because it looks so delicious oh okay yeah um i think that's the uh as i'm going through it quickly the cinnamon i call them cinnamon rolls mm-hmm. under the gold yep. yeah 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 absolutely um the, the fun thing about that is i like to make step-by-step recipes when i'm doing our site and i took like literally 500 photos for that one with the chicken friends at each step <laughs> so it was uh, welcome to our lives. It's just like, uh, I notice you're an equally prolific poster of recipes there. Here is the mixture after I've mixed it once. Here is the mixture after I've mixed it twice. <laughs> it's just getting that ultimate shot for a website takes a lot of work, you know. Especially when you're dealing with children and animals, which we both are. Human animals <laughs> and non-human animals. I take offense that I'm not a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, yes, you are. No? Okay. <laughs> Um, so what can we do to support your wonderful website? Um, well, you can spread the news. Just get people to go like uh, like our page on Facebook. And, um, yeah, just become involved. We're looking for people to become involved all across New Zealand. So what was actually happening is we've got some funding. And um, with this funding, we're going to be printing our starter guide soon, which is a 12-page booklet, and we've tried to make it beautiful. So about veganism and a bunch of other different pieces of information to help people get started. And so we're also in the process of setting up um, tables that – with banners and materials that can exist anywhere in New Zealand. So what we're looking for is very eager, energetic people who are also like responsible, who are interested in applying to get a table in their area. And so with with this table comes the responsibility of promoting veganism. So they would get a banner, they would get all of the materials, and we would provide that to them for free, um, provided they simply promote veganism in their area. Well, that sounds fantastic, yeah. and I hope that people outside of New Zealand are also welcome to support Go Vegan, and that we can grow this thing into something big, and I love the idea of responsible table ownership, because that sounds like a good campaign, you're like, you know, be kind <laughs> yeah. to your table. Well, yeah, you want to give it to people who we did, there's certain people in every city, and we've all, we all know them who are just absolutely, on. they're ready to roll. And that's, that's the kind of people we want to work with, people who just like energize and they're just ready for action and they want to make this happen and share the vision. And so that's what we're looking for. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm prepared to put the money uh, where our mouths are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're looking for energized people and I don't know if you've got them up there, but um, there's this ad, it's got this little pink bunny rabbit in it and I think it's called Energizer. And yeah, they're definitely very energized looking. So I don't know if you're seeing that ad on Skype right now. But <laughs> no, I definitely look into it. No, no, we're not. <laughs> we're looking well, at something else. We'll we we'll transfer our money, though. It's with BNZ, BNZ, right. <laughs> well, it's been great to interview you both, and I hope everyone listening will go and check out govegan.org.nz because it really is a great website. Thank you both for what you're doing. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. See you later, Jordan. Jesse and Michael are doing great things, and govegan.org.nz is only going to get bigger and better over time, so we can just thank them now for everything they're planning on doing soon. Something the Invercargill Vegan Society is planning on doing is asking Marmite, now that it's back on shelves, to be labelled as vegan. The product is very popular in New Zealand, it's a staple food of all New Zealanders, and it currently says vegetarian on the label, and we would love to see, as a mark of veganism becoming mainstream for this really popular product to simply say vegan on it and so to go about and bring that change into the world the change we want to see and the change we want to be we've made a facebook group called vegans love marmite the point of this group vegans love marmite 
is to show Sanitarium, the maker, that there are a lot of vegans here in New Zealand and we'd love it if their vegan-friendly product was labelled as vegan. <laughs> so it's a simple thing to ask for and we think we've got a good chance of making it go from saying Marmite is a meat-free product on the back of it or Marmite is vegetarian or is 100% vegetarian to just having the words Marmite is vegan or vegan on the back. can even be in tiny, tiny font on the, on the back because we vegans, as everyone knows, read labels. So, as part of doing that with our page, Vegans Love Marmite, we've currently got 165 supporters, including myself, so that's 164 people supporting it, and me. <laughs> so I would love if you would support our campaign to have this great New Zealand product labelled as being vegan. Vegans Love Marmite. You can find us on Facebook or on the show notes for this episode. I'd been in contact before with Sanitarium, asking them when Marmite came back to New Zealand shelves after being struck with a tremendously evil and awful earthquake which knocked off New Zealand's Marmite supplies, this important New Zealand food, unavailable for over a year until very recently. We're just asking them that maybe when it comes back, that's the time it could be introduced as being vegan just on the back. And it would be lovely if we could go into our local New World or Pack and Save or Countdown supermarket and to look at a jar of Marmite and to see that it's vegan. It would kind of like... Um, New Marmite in New Zealand is a bit like what Guinness would be to the Irish people, for example, a stereotypical national food. Except Guinness isn't actually vegan, and we're lucky enough to have Marmite, our national food, our beloved national food, actually being vegan, this black thing that you put on toast and which tastes incredibly salty. <laughs> so part of our way of getting this thing to happen is by ringing sanitarium themselves and their consumer hotline. Like this. <laughs> and well then, please note your calls may be recorded for quality purposes. And for a podcast. Updates, please visit our Facebook page, Marmite NZ, and click like. For all other inquiries, please hold for an operator. Wait while I transfer your call. Okay. Hi. Good afternoon. This is Customer Services. You're speaking with Robin. Hi, Robin. How are you today? Hi, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I love... Let's see what I love. Hmm. Jenny, hen friends, margaritas, walks on the beach, pina coladas, getting caught in the rain. What one am I going to go with here? I love um, Sanitarium, and I was thinking I'm a member of the group Vegans Love Marmite on Facebook. Oh, yes. And Did you send an email to me? Yes, we never heard yes. back about it, and we were just oh, hoping that we okay. heard a few months ago from Sanitarium that they might consider putting the word vegan on Marmite, and that would be right. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent that off to the Marmite um, manager. Uh, I got it this morning and I sent it to her. I'm not sure whether she was here today. I haven't actually seen her. Um, there's a lot of activity going on at the moment around Marmite and <laughs> okay. she may be in Christchurch. But um, I'll check with her to make sure she gets back to you. Oh, that's great. Did it, Did you receive an email today? Because that would be from someone different. I did, different. yes. Okay, that would oh, be from okay. someone different. Yeah, there's, there's oh, quite okay. a few people on the group, and yeah, it's good to hear that right. there's more. It would be great to see it on there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. All right, well, look. Um... So, by this point, she obviously wanted to get rid of me, but I made sure to keep my foot firmly in the door and made sure that I could give her some contact details, so hopefully Sanitarium would get back to me. Let's see how long I can keep her on the line for. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, look, um, we'll see what... Could, um, I, could I give you my contact details? Yeah, okay. sure. Ugh, I can't get rid of this guy. Ugh. Okay, the, the group is called Vegans, V-E-G-A-N-S. Yeah. Love, L-O-V-E. Yeah. Marmite. Yeah. Okay. And my email address is info yes. at yes. I-N-V. I for India, N for Nally, V for Victor. Uh, S for Sharon, uh, yeah. O for Octopus, and yeah. C for Christchurch. <laughs> C for so, Christchurch, okay, yes. Dot, dot org dot nz. Yeah, 
info.org.nz. Info.org.nz. Okay. And what Thank was your you. name? Jordan, Jordan Wyatt. Jordan Wyatt. Okay, Jordan. Thank, Thank you very you much very for your much time. indeed. Okay. Yeah, we we see that um, Vegemite says vegetarian and Marmite used to say meat-free product and there's a couple mm. others that say vegan here, like the Veg Spread brand that oh, says yeah. vegan on it. And right. I see some, looking back through some of my old Marmite jars that I've still got, I'm still hanging on to the last little bits, you know, <laughs> keeping them treasured. Um, yeah. Some of them say 100% vegetarian on the front and it would just be cool just yeah. to see the word vegan on the back. We would love yeah. that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> cool. Well, thank All you very right. much for your time. I'll pass that on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Have a good Jordan. day. <laughs> you too. Bye. So, any bets that she wasn't writing down my details? You never know. So, she finally got to hang up on that annoying caller, and hopefully they've, they're like, oh, let's hope we've blocked this guy's number so we can't ring back again. <laughs> I'm sure they get lots of people ringing up and saying, I got a bone to pick with you. I remember back in the days when Marmite cost five cents, and these days you seem to be putting less wheat picks in the package, and I've got lots of problems with everything. So, hopefully, um, they'll actually take us seriously, because they seem to, in a, in a way, they never actually emailed me or rang me back about saying, yes, we could put the word vegan on Marmite and many other vegan-friendly sanitarium products. But, after a couple of weeks and uh, getting in touch with his personal assistant, I actually got to have an interview with the general manager of sanitarium. So, that was pretty cool. And at this point, my computer, which I record this podcast on, had actually blown up. The hard drive had, uh, to put it mildly, crapped out. And I had to frantically scramble to use Jenny's MacBook Pro. And it didn't have all my audio recording tools and things. And literally, as I'm scrambling to set up a new computer from scratch for recording things and Skype and all sorts... Um, I get the emails back that the general manager of Sanitarium is in Wellington and is able uh, to be rung at this moment. And of course, I'd, I'd had it booked in and just was waiting for confirmation about what time I could ring his personal cell phone number. And so I'm frantically screaming with this computer of Jen's. And it's got things like, you know, in um, Mountain Lion, well, Lion and Mountain Lion, how you scroll up and that makes the page go down and it's all backwards and all this crazy stuff. It doesn't have my software. It was a debacle. But it held together just, it held together with chewing gum and duct tape and goodwill and hope and vegans who love Marmite. It all worked out in the end. And I asked some pretty easy questions and I don't ask any follow-ups or things. Um, I thought I'd already harassed the customer services phone lady enough. And so I'm very, very softball questions. And I was worried about my sense of humour when I'm interviewing people. So I'd already submitted the, the questions in advance, like a good little journalist would. Um, so their special guest or politician or whoever knows all what's going to come down the pipeline at them. And so here's my interview with the general manager of Sanitarium, Pierre Van Heerden. And this was recorded the day that Marmite had come back. And I'd already raced to the shops and waited for my local supermarket to open at 8 a.m. in the morning to make sure I had one of the first jars of Marmite. Remember, the whole nation had been in a panic as the media trumped it up to be Marmageddon when there was no Marmite, a breakfast spread, available in New Zealand for a whole year. Sanitarium, the company that makes Marmite, is Seventh-day Adventist owned and operated. And when I first met my Seventh-day Adventist friends, who run the weekly vegan cooking class here in Invercargill, I joked if they could create some more Marmite for me. Pretty please. Oh. Well, I thought it was great because I know that I trust the Adventists with food before, the sanitarium, of course. Right. And I'm just wondering, I know the story, going to a religious-believing school, I know the story about the loaves and the fishes, and I'm not comparing you guys to Jesus, I don't want to offend anyone, but it's a good way, and I thought, my friends, my Adventist friends, I'm missing this little guy. Can you guys identify what this is? Where did you get that? Can you identify what this is? It seems to be a black kind of yeast-based spread. Yeah, that's called Marmite. So I can trust you to hold on to it. I can't quite... I know that I know that Adventists make more of it, but I thought if I just sort of clip my hairs together, you know, so there's no yeast-based spread like Marmite, there's no yeast-based spread like Marmite, there's no yeast-based... No yeast it's not more of it? It doesn't work. No, sorry. Oh, well, at least you didn't steal it. I mean, no, no. do you have any at home? Because yeah, I know this is about half a jar. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> Most of us have a little stash at home. Oh. Because it, sorry? What? It's a salty, salty, yeasty flavoured. It's wonderful. <laughs> you just put a tiny bit on your toast. 
And so, oh, it's wonderful. I've got just this little wee jar and it sits in there. It used to be a big jar until my daughter discovered it and swapped for a little jar. Oh. And <laughs> so I thought if all Adventist foods is half as good as what Sam Materia makes for vegans, I thought I have to come to this class. Thank you, thank you for putting it on and thank you for your time. Very welcome. <laughs> and you can find that whole interview at the Invsoc website, invsoc.org.nz, and it's on the December potluck when we had an end-of-year potluck with the Adventist vegan cooking class and the Invercargill Vegan Society combining for one big end-of-year event. And I interviewed them there, and you'll see lots of the great food that we made together. Adventists and atheists and agnostics and vegetarians and vegans all. So we had a great time. With no further ado... Here's my interview with the Sanitarium General Manager, Mr. Pierre Van Heerden. This was recorded on the day that Marmite had come back to New Zealand and come back to life. Let's see if he shares my quirky sense of humour. With me today is Sanitarium General Manager, Mr. Pierre Van Heerden. How are you today, Pierre? Very good, thank you. It's uh, really been a great day with the return of Marmite. Yes, I've got a jar of it next to me, and I made sure to go first thing this morning to the cargo pack and save, and I managed to be the first person to buy some. So thank you very much for putting it back on shelves. <laughs> really pleased that you were able to get your jar early. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot of other New Zealanders were out there very early this morning as well. Are they making sure they got their jars in time? <laughs> so it was an earthquake which wiped out Marmite, which was extinct from roughly March 2011 until this very moment, March 2013 when a mosquito preserved in amber was found to have had a belly full of the black yeast brick for spread. After many billions of dollars, and worth every cent I might add, the Jurassic Park-style cloning operation has been judged success. New Zealand once again has Marmite. <laughs> Pierre, how has it been inside Sanitarium this past year, with the company unable to produce beloved Marmite? We've been working hard to make sure that we get Marmite back. And during the time, uh, you know, we found a few delays which were unexpected and uh, once you've set a date and you set your on that or uh, focus to then find that there's additional damage uh, was very disappointing for us but in the end we got there and uh, on shelf you know marmite is back it's the same marmite that tastes the same as always so kiwis can get in and really dig in Sanitarium is a huge health food company, iconic to all New Zealanders. The company has long supported vegetarianism, and I'd just love to ask, could you please explain why Sanitarium is so friendly to vegetarians and vegans? We, we believe a plant-based diet uh, is a very healthy diet, and there's a lot of science uh, back this up uh, to tobacco. And what we try and do is encourage people to have more plant-based foods within their diet, and uh, they will feel a lot better. Um, there's many other products that Sanitarium makes, such as Wheat Bix and Marmite, which are vegan-friendly products. And I'd just like to know, Pierre, is there any chance that Sanitarium could label more of Sanitarium's products as being vegan on the on the label? We we generally find that uh, people who are vegan or vegetarian uh, look at the ingredients, what they purchased, and know them. So. Um, we, we haven't really had much of a request for that and haven't investigated it. But I think in general, what they buy, general people knowing when they are looking for vegan products or vegetarian products. So I guess taking it from here, it's just a matter of supporting groups like Vegans Love Marmite and showing Sanitarium that there's a lot of vegan customers who really love what Sanitarium's doing with all their health foods and they've got so many great vegan products like Veggie Hot Dogs, which are vegan, and they make uh, best uh, soy milk brand and they make great soy, vanilla and chocolate ice cream here. And so it's just a matter of growing the vegan population and having a little bit of polite <laughs> consumer demand from vegans. Really politely though. Just so that Sanitarium knows its vegan customers are out there. <laughs> um... I have to confess to you, Pierre, the general manager of Sanitarium, until Marmite was cloned back into existence, I've spent the last year and a bit sampling other, vastly inferior yeast-based spreads. I've tried Vegemite, I've tried Promite, I've tried that veg spread thing made by Freedom Foods, which is actually labelled vegan on the back, and I've even tried that English knockoff product which tries to infringe your Marmite, tr your Marmite trademark all the time. 
While saying this will greatly reduce my chances of interviewing the general managers of those other companies, I have to be honest and say they're just, they're just terrible. There's simply no other yeast-based spread which can hold a candle to Marmite. Mr. Pierre Van Herden, general manager of Sanitarium New Zealand, could you ever forgive me for being unfaithful to Marmite? <laughs> it's going to be difficult, but I'm sure that uh, we can find it in our hearts to forgive you uh, as long as you ensure that going forward you stay true and faithful and have your Marmite on host every day. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time today, Pierre, and thank you very much for Marmite, which I'm sure everyone in the, in the Invercargill Vegan Society and all my listeners are going to enjoy. Thank you very much for all your hard work at Sanitarium. It's a big pleasure, and uh, I'd just like to thank all of the consumers out there within your society as well who before I've waited patience to get the product back on shelf. Um, it's really very exciting to have it back. We, we're pleased about that. And, uh, and I hope you go out and really enjoy Marmite on Toast again. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. Thanks a lot, mate. But not everyone has been so soft to sanitarium as my star-struck interview with the general manager. Radio New Zealand program Media Watch looks at the New Zealand media's coverage of the issues of today. The Media Watch team holds journalists to task and investigates how stories are made and reported. Here in New Zealand we seem to have a history of food companies getting free publicity when new food products are given nationwide advertising for free and during primetime news shows too. Media Watch have found that KFC, or Killing Friendly Chickens, in particular gets away with murder both that awful double-down product and the totally amazing, quote, KFC pie, a pie featuring chicken flesh, received much national publicity, and apparently they got most of it for free. One year ago, the fast food company KFC launched a brand new product onto the market, and marketing professionals then congratulated the company on the way they managed to make the mainstream news media play along with that promotion. And among those who were plugging the product was TVNZ's breakfast show on TV One. It's time. Oh yeah, we're very excited about this. I can't wait. Um, the first ever Bunless Burger, the Double Down, is hit New Zealand. You probably know this because it's been everywhere, and we're just yes. going to jump on the bandwagon, actually, as if they needed more promotion. And soon after the host, Corin Dan, introduced the Double Down Burger like that, he himself, his business presenter, Nadine Chalmers-Ross, and newsreader, Rawdon Christie, were all chewing on their chicken live on the air in front of an appalled nutrition expert. Everybody's going like this because they've just got greasy, greasy fat on their hands. <laughs> I'm not sure I did If you the could whole see, thing. Rawdon, you would be able to see that he is going like this. Does the... You oh, can no, I haven't see got him. a camera on me, have I? <laughs> Nadine, would you like to give it a it's taste? It's actually coming through the box. A fairly disgusting spectacle, that. Not because there was grease running down their hands at what was supposed to be breakfast time, but because those happily plugging the product on a news programme were senior news journalists at TVNZ. Well, at that time, TVNZ said all this was just a bit of a laugh. And back then, others in the media were also falling for the double-down hype, so much so that marketing man Martin Gilman told the Herald the amount of promotion for the product was atrocious and the media, in his words, ended up looking like mugs. So, one year on, with another new item from the company on the market this week, would the media bite the greasy hand that fed them last year, or suffer a similar dignity deficit by playing along with the promotions again? When KFC took to Twitter to hint at its new product last week, the New Zealand Herald took the bait with a story that started like this. For KFC lovers who are also partial to the odd pie, some good news is at hand and then went on to quote restaurant brand's chief executive Russell Creedy like this. It's fantastic. I've had a few already. And others who got an early taste from his company were also well exposed in the media, following the template from the Double Down last year. On May the 29th, KFC posted this comment on Twitter. So, if this rumour of KFC pies came true, who would be keen to try one? And among those who put his hand up was Chang Hung, DJ at popular music station The Edge. And the next morning on his show with JJ, Mike and Dom, there was this. Remember on Monday I told you about the rumours about the KFC pie? Yes, we should yeah, be going yeah, all about very excited yes, about that. And guess what? Tell me. I got the pies for you to try today, the Why KFC even? pies. Have you? Oh my God. Oh There's, my God. There you go, Mike. JJ. So, Thanks. when the big boss of KFC said we're on the tasting committee, I thought he was joking. Mm. No, 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 no joke. So what's the story? How did you tee this up? Well, they just called me and said, oh, we got six pies for you guys. 
Did they tell you anything else? Like, we're no, not starting no, on the menu? Nothing else. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, hang on, we'll take a break. Gonna eat. We'll be back in a minute. It is the edge. But if Chang Hung didn't really know when those pies were going to be hitting the market, he wasn't unaware for long. Last weekend, he was pulling out all the stops to promote it on Twitter like this. Want to try the KFC pie for free before it goes on sale next Tuesday? Just be at KFC Ponsonby from 11am tomorrow. They've got 100 pies to give away. And once those pies were ready, TV3's current affairs show Campbell Live fell into line, just as they did a year ago for The Double Down, with the host John Campbell declaring this a job for two of his programme's journalists. That's Lachlan on the left, dressed nicely in gingham today, very fetching Lachlan. That's Tristram on the right, nervously wondering if we can see what website he's on. We know what you look at, Trissy. That is our awards up on the shelf there. They're just some of the awards we've won recently. Ten, take that close up. But what followed was far from award-winning journalism, as reporters Tristram Clayton and Lachlan Forsyth rode a tandem to a nearby KFC store where they'd persuaded those hungry young burger hounds waiting in line to pretend to be zombies. It's like the, the dream pie. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's really hot. It tastes like KFC. It's like everything you can hope for. Miss Uni, it's not important compared with a free pie. And handing out the free pies to the zombies at Ponsonby's KFC was the edge DJ Chang Hung, whose Facebook page this Tuesday morning reminded his friends... KFC pie for breakfast goes on sale from 10am today. So for the cost of a mere 100 pies then, KFC harvested a staggering amount of national publicity on the radio in the morning and on primetime on TV last Monday on programmes broadcasting to KFC's ideal market, The Young. And all this, remember, for chicken pies, products which are on sale at almost every bakery and tea room in the country, and usually at a cheaper price. There was much, much more to come in the media that day and the next, as news outlet after news outlet sent their own staff to try out the new pie and publish their responses. And while there were too many of those to list here, the greasiest of them was the online outfit MSN, which boasted that its entire team was first in line to buy the new pie last Tuesday. And the story they posted afterwards was a stream of overwrought quotes like this one. KFC are on to a winner. Once you get over the guilt and realise sometimes you just have to live in the moment, you start to see the KFC pie for what it is, a pastry parcel of potato and gravy joy. Could advertisers have come up with anything more over the top than that? But while there was plenty of pie praise on the air and in print this week, there was remarkably little negative response, even though there was plenty of it to be found on the social media sites where KFC, ironically, had seeded the story of the new pie in the first place. Once paying punters had had a taste, comments like these were appearing on KFC's Facebook page last Tuesday. These pies suck! I looked inside and the pie was only at most a third full. For $4.50, you should get a pretty good pie. At my local bakery, they use good quality meat and the pies are very tasty. Those pies retail for $2.80. One bite and the pie splits six different ways. Just bought two of the new pies from KFC in Pataparamu and they were frozen in the middle. Yuck! Warning! Don't buy this pie! Now that last Facebook friend said that he'd be on the phone to the media the first thing in the morning after that experience... But mysteriously, little of this sort of stuff has ended up in the avalanche of media coverage of KFC's new chicken pie. Well, in business news stories about the new pie, restaurant brand's boss Russell Creedy also said that the now-notorious Double Down Burger will be returning to his restaurants temporarily later in the year, in a bid to boost sales which slumped in the first part of this year. However, he said he didn't expect to sell as many of them as he did one year ago, when the hype about the snack was at its height. Promotions second time round, he said, generally make 50 to 60% of the sales from the first time round. But while there may be diminishing returns at the tills, there's no evidence of any loss of appetite among the media to help KFC market new products they make by rearranging their ingredients. And finally on Media Watch this week, recently on this programme we've looked at the way that big brand fast food companies spoon-feed the news media when they have a new novelty item they want to try out on the public. First they announce it on the social networking sites online and then claim that this has created a buzz. They send out samples to media personalities, radio DJs and some journalists. 
and then sit back as the broadcasters and newspapers give the product publicity which money couldn't buy before the launch. Well, last weekend, the Sunday Star Times had an article which shows that on Facebook, eight of the 15 most liked New Zealand businesses were junk food brands. An expert told the paper, The power of the brand is something some people want to align themselves to. But there's also another reason, as the Sunday Star Times itself pointed out in that article. Companies earn social media friendships by offering discounts, freebies and competitions. But the same day its rival paper up north was eagerly taking the bait for yet another fast food fad. Kiwis demand fatty delight. Screamed the Herald on Sunday's front page last weekend. The delight in question being an ice cream sundae with bacon in it, currently on the market in the US at one big burger chain. So how many Kiwis had demanded this? According to the Herald on Sunday's story, a guy called Eric in Christchurch, who's campaigning for it on Twitter, and a student in Auckland called Lily on Facebook, joining what the paper called an online bandwagon to bring the pork garnish dessert to this country. Not the size of bandwagon which would normally get a story on the front page of a Sunday paper, but the news media's appetite for fast food stories seems even bigger than that of the fast food company's online fans. Well, that's all we have for you in Media Watch this week, but the Media Watch team will be back with... Media Watch is a wonderful radio show, and their cutting-edge journalism, which dissects the work of other journalists, is awesome when it comes to Marmite as well. And so in this clip, in recent episodes of Media Watch this year, they've dissected the return of Marmite, and if it was all a PR stunt... Or if the people, like myself, really were right to be over the moon for Marmite's return. Also among many in the media, happy to play along with Marmite. A while back, the boss of the maker, Sanitarium, was invited onto Campbell Live to announce exclusively that Marmite would be back on shop shelves this coming week. And last week, there was also this. March 20th is the date that will be circled on lots of calendars up and down the country because that is the date Marmite will be back on sale. It's taken 15 months and the construction of a brand new factory for that to happen. Today, five winners got a tour of the factory and two journalists were allowed to tag along. Who else could we send but the Torvald and Dean of TV3, Lachlan Forsyth and Tristram Clayton? Well, it was really no surprise that a duo from Campbell Live was allowed to be among the first folks to tour the factory. The programme had, after all, organised the competition to find five Marmite-mad people to take part. And so it was that TV3's answer to Morecambe and Wise then toured the factory alongside them, reaching this contrived conclusion. Then it suddenly dawned on us. Five winners, a new factory... An affable head honcho as tour guide. This wasn't just a tour, this was a test. You know yes. what he's doing? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's giving away the factory. Whoever he likes the most out of these contestants, he's going to give the whole factory to. Well, the Campbell Live pair then eliminated all the other competition winners in front of their camera in order to be the last men standing, culminating in this set-up gag with the main man from Marmite. I suppose that means you're the winners. <laughs> We're going to be rich, I tell you. Rich! The is ours. You can have as much toast with Marmite in this room as you want to. What? So far, so hilarious. But if TV3's Laurel and Hardy really wanted a stake in Marmite's manufacture, well, there was a far more straightforward way. And you'll hear it very soon. Because, for this episode, I've also managed to interview Colin Peacock of Media Watch. And I wanted to know what he thought about this whole media hoopla, and if it really was true that there was no use-based spread like Marmite, as I asserted to my Seventh-day Adventist friends. <laughs> and joining me now is the fearsome and rightly revered New Zealand broadcaster Colin Peacock. Colin presents my favourite New Zealand radio show that's not about veganism, Media Watch. While my heart will always lie with my friend Julie Gunn's Wellington Access radio show Animal Rights and Wrongs, Sunday just isn't a Sunday without a new episode of Media Watch to enjoy. Colin, thank you very much for your time. Oh, no problem, Jordan. You mentioned on the last show about an easy way to get a steak in sanitarium. You can have as much toast with Marmite in this room as you want to. What? So far, so hilarious. But if TV3's Laurel and Hardy really wanted a stake in Marmite's manufacture, well, there was a far more straightforward way, joining the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which owns and operates the Marmite maker, Sanitarium. 
Now, Adventist theology resembles that of Protestantism, though it has Sabbath on a Saturday and strong health messages that push vegetarianism. So if that doesn't put you off, well, the meek may inherit the Marmite without recourse to contrived TV reports like that one. I may be an atheist, Colin, but I have to say, the Seventh-day Adventists I know are pretty lovely people, and their weekly vegan cooking class is frankly awesome. So you're always welcome to join in next time you're in Invercargill for uh, Adventist theology and great vegan food. <laughs> well, next time I'm in Invercargill, I'll make sure I get in touch before I come down. But, uh, I mean, in all seriousness, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, want to put down in any way either veganism or indeed the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I mean, what I was trying to point out there was that in their, uh, in their well, I would call it desperation to dress up what was fairly clearly a, uh, a kind of gimmicky TV report to give, you know, yet more publicity to this launch of Marmite, which I would say it really doesn't warrant. Um, you know, the Campbell Live program, which had, after all, organized that very competition to go to the factory uh, and so on, that it's actually not necessary to, to go to these lengths to contrive these reports. So to me, it was an irony that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church owning the uh, sanitarium and running it for, you know, the greater good of, of that church and organization. I mean, to me, that's actually a more interesting story than the fact of Marmite returning to the market. Uh, you know, why, why not actually explore that aspect of the story instead of, you know, report after report about, you know, when's it coming back, this, this much-loved and much-consumed product, um, you know, one thing that should be pointed out is, well, look, others are on the market, and I think it does a disservice to other companies that produce this stuff when the, the media just fall into line with a popular brand. Uh, so that, that's one thing. But, um, you know, that, the other thing is, well, why not look at Sanitarium's ownership and management? To me, it's part of a story, a kind of a cooperative business like that, if indeed that's an accurate description. That's interesting. And indeed, one other aspect of the story would be, well, if this is such a much-loved product, I mean, some people have actually posed the question, but I, I haven't seen anyone pose it directly to the management or let alone answer it. Why indeed did it take um, so long for the production to begin again? You know, is it, uh, I think Sean Plunkett, the former Radio New Zealand Morning Report host, uh, he has a column in the uh, Wellington's Daily, the Dominion Post, in its weekend edition, and he said, well, is it really beyond a an industrialized first world nation to to you know take take uh, to, to get production of this stuff uh, which after all isn't exactly a high tech product it's made from byproduct from brewing i believe and and a few other easily obtainable ingredients why so difficult why why take so long to get it up and running if on the other hand um sanitarium's commitment to making it in christchurch is so great uh, that it took longer than it otherwise would have well why not push that you know commitment to rebuild in a, in a city so badly hit by by the earthquakes. You know, I think that is an interesting angle. Some of the stories said they considered making it in South Africa where they have some plant and equipment and also in Auckland. Um, I mean, if they could have made it in South Africa and had it taste just the same and consumers wouldn't have rebelled, well, would they have done that? You know, so these are all interesting questions, which I think I would rather see uh, raised, answered, I think would be more illuminating for the audience than, than the sort of contrived um, the contrived sort of stuff we saw on, on Campbell Live that we referred to in that episode. Well, I have to admit I am a big fan of Marmite, and I was one of the sad people who waited at 8am for Invercargill Pack and Save to open. But um, did you actually see some of the later coverage of Sanitarium's tour for particular, in particular? Yeah, they had yeah. that one guy that apparently has a tattoo of a Marmite jar on his arm, and I just thought, that really is incredible. I mean, I... I wouldn't consider myself, hi, I'm Jordan Wyatt, I'm a massive fan of Marmite, but there are, is at least apparently one guy who has a tattoo of a consumer product, uh, a, a breakfast spread on his <laughs> shoulder. It's kind of it's Well, kind that, of is, crazy. that is unusual. And, I, you know, I suppose in order, I mean, I was speaking as a journalist before, say, so why not ask and answer these, these far more important questions? I mean, of course, that is of interest to people, the fact that someone would be so attached to, you know, one particular product that, that they would go and, uh, you know, ink it onto their person. I mean, yeah, that's extraordinary. And, you know, of course, there's no harm in showing that on television. It's it's interesting and it's fun. And, and you know, it doesn't do to be a stick in the mud and say that this has no place on television. I wouldn't say that. But, you know, part of it to me is also, well, today, as we're speaking, uh, you know, was that was the day that hit the shop shelves. And, yeah, of course, all this all this media coverage is being lined up. And again, it's, you know, the producers of one particular product for which there are other equivalents and or substitutes, if you prefer, on the market, uh, which is able to get all the media to fall into line with its particular embargo. And we're seeing this a lot in the media. Well, speaking of our media, I've always enjoyed Media Watch covering just what's happening to 
the media in New Zealand. And of interest to me is the Southern Times, our local newspaper, and it's celebrating its 150th anniversary at the moment. And they talk about it being 150 years strong. Well, it's hard to believe it's 150 years strong when we no longer can print the newspaper, the daily newspaper for our region, in the actual region. Our newspaper is actually printed in Dunedin now, and so they have to be driven uh, for about two hours' drive, a couple hundred kilometres, down to Invercargill. So it's not exactly a great time for the media here, for the large media companies. But in particular, I'm quite interested in Sanitarium, of course. Sanitarium's had such great coverage for the product Marmite, which I enjoy, and I am glad it's back. But there's also KFC, or as we vegans like to say, killing friendly chickens, as someone who looks after chickens. (laughs) They got a whopping amount of free press for their double-down monstrosity, and then that chicken pie, which, according to Media Watch of the time, some of them were being sold, not properly defrosted. I mean, it was highly wonderful food that they were selling, and yet they managed to bribe both 3 News and the Edge Radio Station in particular to give them such fantastic coverage, and they had DJs for the morning radio show. They are actually giving away samples of these products, and they're not being paid for this. Isn't it just amazing that the New Zealand media is so hungry for a scoop that they can be bribed with fast food and being on the take for takeaways? Yeah, be on the take for takeaways, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I guess they assume that a large number of their audience or a significant amount of their audience, particularly, you know, those younger target markets that you'll often see music radio stations um, trying to attract and fight over. I mean, they would say, I guess, the likes of McDonald's, KFC, all those big brand fast foods is something that's going to be of interest to them. So when a novelty or a new product is launched, they figure, well, the audience would like to know. And if, if we can be the first to tell them about it, well, that will make us seem, you know, on the ball. So somehow them having a relationship with these fast food manufacturers will, will somehow make them more appealing to the audience thereafter. But, you know, I think, as you point out, they run the risk of alienating others who, who don't see it that way. Um, but, I mean, look, it's no coincidence that these companies spend a vast amount on advertising. So there's a relationship there that they have with the other, the advertising side of the company. Now, perhaps it's not as stark a division when you're talking about music radio um, because it's a kind of popular culture kind of thing rather than news media values. But, you know, you would expect to see and and journalists still would would, um, you know, want to see and even programs like Campbell Live that that did a lot on both Marmite and KFC's um, particular uh, new products on the market. Um, you, You know, you would you would want to see them separating out the advertising influence from what they put in the program. So I'm sure if KFC had gone along and said, hey, put us on Campbell Live, send your reporters down to the launch of our new double burger, or we'll pull ads from you uh, and we'll give them to your opposition or whatever, uh, then I'm sure they would say, hey, get lost. You can't, you can't do that. But the relationship is more subtle than that. So that, that's, that's, that's kind of why they do it. I mean, perhaps, uh, you know, vegan societies might give away food, um, you know, and, and in order to promote their particular um, their particular message or interests. But, you know, you won't have the same kind of cut through in the media, either locally or nationally, if you don't really have some kind of clout by having at least a relationship and if not, you know, spending a lot of money. I mean, Jordan, you, you did actually mention there that our program Media Watch had mentioned that uh, some reports that the food wasn't properly prepared, you know, the frozen KFC chicken pie or so on. I mean, what that was, was uh, Facebook um, and people corresponding directly with KFC to say, hey, I heard all the publicity. I went out and bought this pie in, you know, outlet X. And, yeah, it was horrible. It was still cold inside. Now, I don't know if that's typical, but there were a fair few comments like that and people saying, you know, hey, I tried your new pie. Actually, I didn't like it much and I thought it was really expensive. Now, the interesting thing is, and we see this a lot too with all sorts of products, the, the maker determined gets the media interested and then they get all the coverage on the launch day, on or around the launch day. And we saw that certainly with, with KFC's products. Um, and then no one will actually come back and review it other than, you know, they'll be in the restaurant with the people who won the competition or, you know, who, who, were, who were invited to go. In the case of KFC, they said on the radio, having given them the free samples, if you want to try this, get down to the, you know, the Kingsland branch and, and you know, you'll be there. And that's when Campbell Live goes and does its filming. But will they go and seek out people who then correspond with KFC on Facebook to say they don't think it's a great product? No. I mean, has anyone ever asked why um, both that chicken pie, which you mentioned, and the other thing which got wall-to-wall publicity, it's double-down burger, the, the you know, chicken burger with no bread on it. Um, neither of those things, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, are actually on the menu anymore. So, 
you know, is there a shortage of the ingredients to make these products? You know, that would be a story. Um, but, you know, if there isn't, then the story is, well, actually, it wasn't worth keeping on the menu. It's, it's, it's not that attractive a product after all. In which case, why all the fuss when they launched them? And, you know, the answer is, well, you know, the relationship that the advertising side of the industry has with the, you know, the broadcasting side of it. Well, if it would be a good gimmick to report on a shortage. And I remember with the Marmite thing, there were some people I remember on their Facebook page saying this is all a big scam and that they're still making it and they're just piling it up. <laughs> and I love the idea that <laughs> this massive company would be doing that. They'd just be pretending that there's a shortage. And then in a year's time, they'd just have 10 million bottles of plastic containers of Marmite to release into the market, flood the market. Um, but also, as you mentioned about how the double down and the KFC chicken pie, which doesn't actually sound that great, does it? It's just a chicken pie. They never even gave it a proper name, I don't think. Like the no, double no, down I mean, its it, own it's trademark. It's not as if you couldn't walk into any bakery, yeah. um, you know, within within a sort of 500-yard radius of uh, of any KFC outlet, <laughs> buy yourself a chicken pie. So it wasn't wasn't even a unique product. But you mentioned something else there, Jordan, which was interesting. I mean, the South and Times, you're saying unable to actually print its own paper in its region. It goes up to Dunedin. Mm. I mean, I've been in the, the printing plant there at the Otago Daily Times where the editor um, made a big deal of that. He was saying, we can literally stop the presses, you know, hit a button, change the layout of our newspaper till quite late in the day and still get it out and on the trucks and delivered at least around the city, if not to the wider region, quite late in the day. They, they see that as, you know, an important part of, you know, being able to provide a truly local paper. Um, the Southland Times is a paper that's part of the Fairfax chain, which is more and more becoming a kind of centralised offering, if you like. They have sub-editors in what they call sub-hubs around the country. So, you know, the, the journalist preparing the, the copy locally to go into the story, the editor saying what he wants and or she wants, and then, you know, remotely down the pipe, uh, these things can be sub-edited and sent back down to be then um, printed, well, in your case, in a in a different city entirely for for the distribution. Uh, in some cases, that can actually be a strength if they didn't have that, have that system. Uh, the Christchurch Press would never have been able to print uh, on the day after the earthquake, which was remarkable. It couldn't have happened if they couldn't have sent everything up a digital pipe to Wellington and have it all laid out there and then fired back down to the printing plant they have in Christchurch by the airport and then distributed. So more and more, I think, the model that we'll see is in places like Invercargill, say the Nelson Mail, also part of a big chain, you know, you, you won't expect to have a downtown building that's been there for decades with a staff that's generating the news, writing it, typesetting it, printing it, distributing it locally. You know, more and more will end up with, you know, local reporting staff and a local editor. But the other functions, advertising, even the world pages, you know, the puzzles, all that sort of stuff being set out elsewhere, possibly even printed elsewhere and distributed. And in the end, you know, we'll probably see this kind of Victorian era thing of, actually printing on paper and delivering on fossil fuel burning vehicles uh, go by the wayside as well as everything gets gets more and more digital. But, you know, I would say also in your region, you've got Fred Tullett as an editor of the Southland Times, who is, um, you know, sounds a bit pejorative, a bit ageist, but he is old school, you know, he's trained in the old ways. And, you know, the sorts of things we're talking about, he would have, with a man of his experience, he, he would know about being spun, you know, what's really a story and what's not. Um, so, so someone like him, you know, you know, we definitely have an awareness of, of, you know, where there's inappropriate influence or what, what is a story that's purely generated by spin or is in fact in someone else's commercial interest. So, those sorts of values, you know, you would, uh, you would, even if it doesn't necessarily lead to it being the kind of newspaper you might want to see every day, uh, you know, they are still something I think to um, to hang on to. Well, as terrifying as it is for the mainstream media to go away, as someone in my 20s who doesn't ever plan on buying a newspaper, who doesn't have a television, and to, but who always makes sure to listen to Radio New Zealand podcasts, of course, I'd, I'd never go without that, um, I hope that small groups like the Invercargill Beacon Society can ingre ingratiate ourselves to our local media while it's on the decline, perhaps, <laughs> and maybe buy our free, um, I'm very good at making banana chocolate chip muffins, and we've got a new scone recipe. Maybe we'll be able to sort of grease our way up there and get more, more coverage for our own little agendas. So thank you very much for everything that Media Watch covers and for reporting on the other media outlets reporting, and thank you very much for your time tonight, Colin. Well, I'd say, you know, you're paying for it through your taxes, so, uh, you know, don't feel too grateful. <laughs> Thank you very much to Colin Peacock for Media Watch and for appearing on Coexisting with Non-Human Animals to 
help put me in line about not giving Marmite more free publicity than it deserves, which you can argue how much a giant corporation needs more free publicity, even if I really do love the, love the product very much. And we hope that the product will hopefully in the future say, Marmite is vegan on the label. But of course, no episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals would be an episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals without an update on the Invercargill Vegan Society. So, to round off this episode, what have we been up to recently? And, and more importantly, what had we been looking forward to before pressing record? Okay. So here we are, the night before the big quiz. And... <laughs> And I'm um, apparently lying in bed with Jen, and she's making ghost noises. How are you tonight, Jen? That's excited noises. Ooh! Do another ghost noise. <laughs> it wasn't a ghost noise. It was an excited noise. Oh, God, it's the axe murderer trying to kill us. <laughs> Ring. <laughs> what is it? There's like that. <laughs> and all those kind of ones. And then the tree tapping on the window all night. Oh, and... no, don't. You're giving me nightmares. Oh, yeah. So Jen still hasn't seen Silence of the Lambs, but as we all know, it's a really friendly movie about petting lambs. And what are the ones? Aliens. Oh, yeah. So I've seen Aliens. What happens in Aliens? Or well, Alien is the first one that is Aliens. Alien comes out of Sigourney Weaver's stomach. No, 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 no. She has a pleasant childbirth, which takes 20 seconds. Pleasant. And that's God, it is a very movie, pleasant. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's why you're going to want to have children one day, right? No, let's not go down that After place. seeing Alien and Aliens and Aliens <laughs> vs. Predator and Alien Resurrection. No, that one's crappy, isn't it? Alien 3. No, oh, that's crappy. Uh, Alien vs. Predator 2. No, that one's crappy. What is the next one? Prometheus, the prequel. That is all right, but it's not as good as Catherine would make it out to be. You're going to want to have lots of children. I doubt it. Okay. Well, one thing that nobody doubts is that tomorrow is going to be a wonderful quiz event. And what are we doing before the quiz, Jen? I'm going to work. <laughs> work with me here, darling. <laughs> and then we're going to go out for a wonderful dinner. We with? hope it's a wonderful dinner with Catherine and Kerry and Jess and Steve. Yes, we are. And then it's going to be the Vegetators, as the group's called. We're going to try and get them to be the, the Vegan Vegetators or the Invercargill Vegan Society Vegetators. <laughs> and it's going to be myself. It's going to be Jen. It's going to be Catherine, and it's going to be Kerry. Mm. And so we've won two in a row. We've come first out of all the teams at this crazy pub quiz. And we've been first out of 39, which is pretty cool. Been first out of just under 30, I think the second one was. And we're hoping this can be our third one in a row. Because if we lose, Jen, we're going to be very upset. Oh, great. And I get to drive you all home. Yes, I'm going to be all crying and... I'm be very upset. So we've got to get our beauty sleep, especially me, and we've got to turn off the light and get lots of sleep because you've got about, how many hours do we have tomorrow? Let's give it 12 hours of having a sick day and reading up Wikipedia for, for trivia questions to make sure you have all the answers. Oh, gosh. Is that exciting? That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? You're looking forward to it, I can tell. <laughs> so do you mind clicking the light off, please, Jen? Night, Jordan. Good night, listeners. So, we've had the quiz now, and how did we do in the quiz, Jen? We did great. Yeah, we didn't win, but we came third or fourth place, depending on how you look at it. And we were a whole two points behind the winning team. So, it wasn't our best um, pub quiz ever, but I think we did okay overall. There was lots of teams there, after all. Yeah, and we had a great time doing it. We've had lots of fun, and, you know, things could have been worse. So what other kind of events have we been doing, Jen? Like, we've had a fun run, haven't we? Oh, yes, that was awesome. That was great fun, especially wearing the T-shirts, Team Vegan T-shirts. <laughs> very, very visible. It made our message very clear. Yes, it did. We all we had matching um, shirts, Jen and I, that said Team Vegan across us. And... Uh, Jesse and Michael would love the fact that as I ran across the finish line, I screamed, Go Vegan! Yes, and we got a video of that, so that's very well done. <laughs> so free, a free plug for Jesse and Michael on govegan.org.nz. <laughs> <laughs> and who else joined us for the fun run? There was Christina and Christina, there was Steph. Christina from, where was Balclutha. it? Balclutha, but really from, from the States. Um, Maryland? Baltimore, Maryland, Maryland. Maryland, that's right. I knew it started with him. Oh, it's state, yeah. <laughs> and Steph, who is down here training to be a nurse. 
yes, so we're going to have a couple nurses in the, in the Cargill Vegan Society. And so that's always exciting. And so we had fun at the fun run, and and we're looking forward to doing more future events together and much more activism with the Invercargill Vegan Society. But, you know, we didn't win this pub quiz, and we may have come about third overall, and that wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but two points behind, we could have done worse. But as long as I have you, the hen friends, and most importantly, this totally exquisite marmite on toast from our corporate friends at Sanitarium, I feel like a winner. Yes, indeed, folks, this black yeast-based breakfast spread is a superb source of essential vitamins and flavour. Sanitarium is a marvellous company. However, could we live without Sanitarium Marmite? Mmm. Mmm, mmm. Marmite is great. Mmm. Yummy. The, the breakfast of the gods. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the show notes for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, at www.coexisting.co.nz coexisting.co.nz I'd love to hear from you. Please send an email to info at invsoc.org.nz info at invsoc.org nz I'm also on Facebook and Twitter Jordan Wyatt W-Y-A-T-T and please like our groups Invercargill Vegan Society and Coexisting with Non-Human Animals Thank you for listening And bye Marmite Away from the ocean of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals The choice is ours If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy, it's better for you, it's certainly better for the planet, and most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.